Well, here are you and I, sowing our weary seeds. Here we can find light for our struggles, be they very personal, family-wide, community-affecting, or even caused by oppression. Our text is quite... Hi, and welcome to the podcast of The Red-Headed Preacher. That's me. I'm the Red-Headed Preacher of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie. My name is Richard Lanford. This message is for Sunday, December 13th, the third Sunday in Advent. And our scriptures are from Isaiah 64, Psalm 126, and selected verses from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. The message is called Bringing in the Sheaves. In a different arrangement than usual, we have two readings from the Old Testament. The first is Psalm 126. This is a prayer for deliverance from national misfortune. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the water courses in the Negev. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, Bearing this seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. Our second reading is from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 64, verses 1 through 4, and then 8 and 9. This poem recalls the servant songs of chapters 42 through 53. The theme is the mission to Zion and how all nations will ultimately see God's faithfulness and blessing. You may recognize the first verse as those read by Jesus in the synagogue in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, 
the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations, and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. This ends the reading from Isaiah. Now comes our gospel lesson. It is John chapter 1, verse 6 through 8, and then verses 19 through 28. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed, and they did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Here ends the reading from John and our scriptures for the third Sunday of Advent. May God give us a wise and generous understanding of this, the word of God for the people of God. Growing up, I learned a number of little ditties that still roll around in my memory. Like, someone's in the kitchen with Dinah, someone's in the kitchen I know. Or like, Dominique, Nika, Nick over the land, he walks along and sings a little song. That's about St. Dominic. Oh, and this one that never made sense to me, Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, we will come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Clearly, that was a song about farm labor, and vaguely religious, right? Well, as I learned the Bible better, it is not exactly about farm work, and it is much more than vaguely religious. Psalm 126 was an alternative reading for today, and I chose it because of the power of its couplet, of its ending couplets. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy. 
bringing in their sheaves. That's the end of a psalm, asking the Lord to intervene in a saving way again. The Lord has done great things for us, and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O Lord. The tears that we sow are tears of pain and grief and hardship. The reaping is not agricultural, but joyous all the same. The weeping of those who go out in the psalm is figurative seed, born out of the need for the God of love, justice, and mercy to help the people once more. What comes out of the real tears and prayers shed grow into something good, something others can benefit from, something that nurtures life in the community as well as the individual, in that case, sheaves of wheat. While I was getting ready for today, I thought, what's on people's, what's on most people's minds overall? Like, like I'm a really good mind reader. I wrote down, COVID, COVID, fear, mental health, peace, hope, food insecurity, fatigue, vaccine, transition, COVID. Oh, and getting ready for Christmas, I almost forgot that. A lot of what you, I, our country, and our world are dealing with and have been dealing with, bring those tears that are seed for sowing. They may not be actual tears, but we do not always weep over fear, agony, disunity, stress, constant rescheduling, and wearing masks. This is a year of illness and lament. As close to as close to 300,000 of our fellow Americans have succumbed to the virus. Tears and anger and grief are real. This is also a year of awakening, for some reawakening, to the reality of decades and centuries accumulated impact of racism built into systems which was made clear by lack of access to quality health care for COVID, employment opportunities, education, and safety in predominantly communities of color. We weep for all this, too, even as Advent calls us to peace, hope, joy, and love, pointing to the birth. Well, where is the light? in a dark and insane year? How can you and I look forward to reaping with shouts of joy, carrying our sheaves? There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which, in, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. 
And we know that light is Jesus. John came to testify to the coming of this powerful, life-changing, earth-changing light of the world. Before the passage began, the writer affirmed of the Son of God, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Later in John, Jesus himself says, I am the light of the world. You and I, we know that Jesus, as the light, as the bringer of truth, he cheesed off those whose deeds were evil or just mundane, self-seeking, compassionless business as usual. And I mention that because John also wrote that the light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And this is the judgment. So, yes, Jesus did find people who rather would walk in darkness and avoided the light. We know that the religious leaders conspired to have him arrested, tried, and crucified, and they succeeded. John the Baptist, you know, as I read the, read the passage again, he was being interrogated. Who are you? What, why are, well, who are you? You're not the light. You're not the Messiah. Well, who are you? It was like he was already under the, the Klieg lights of an investigation by the Pharisees, and that was just John. As Walter Brueggemann would put it, Empire, capital E. Empire went after both John and Jesus, the lobbyist for the light, and the light himself, and killed them. Empire is always about self-preservation of those who can control their preservation and thrives on things like peer pressure, fears, hopelessness, racism, and dividing people. Well, we still face COVID and fears, job loss, loneliness, transition, Christmas plans, yes, and more. They're part of a fog, part of a darkness, in the midst of which we might go out weeping, bearing the seed for selling. We look for the light. We look for the light and the light's allies for help, for even salvation. That can be in our personal sorrows. It can be looking for it in family struggles and for help in coping with larger macro problems, including Christ-resisting empire. We look for light, and the light in Scripture the other reading we heard David offer is from Isaiah 61. It is prophecy, which, as he said in Luke 4, Jesus said it was fulfilled in him. And I will get back to the light. Jesus, The Lord anointed him, quoting Isaiah, to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to comfort all who mourn. Well, here are you and I, sowing our weary seeds. Here we can find light for our struggles, be they very personal, family-wide, community-affecting, or even caused by oppression. Our text is quite specific. 
And I quote from a preaching resource. It says, The Christ will come to, one, bring good news. Two, bind up. Three, proclaim. Four, release. Five, proclaim liberty. Six, comfort. And seven, to provide. These activities are offered on behalf of the oppressed, the broken-hearted, the captives, the prisoners, and all who mourn. It is sometimes hard work to claim this and live our lives grounded in this hope, this Savior, the encounters we may have of a spiritual sort with the light. Because as his body on earth, as allies of Christ Jesus, disciples, followers, we're also very human. That's why we need to confess our falling short and know forgiveness and renewal at the hands of God. For instance, in interpersonal relations, reconciliation with an estranged family member is scary and it can be a lot of work. And there's no guarantee of success because there's at least two people involved. The light who teaches us forgiveness calls us at least to try. That's one example. We know the light, but it's sometimes easier said than done. It can be hard work to claim the hope and to live our lives grounded in it. As his body on earth, we do what we can on a personal level. And as his body on earth, there is still much to be done to build up the ancient ruins, to raise up the former devastations, repair the ruined cities, and strengthen the church. As his body on earth, if we take on some of the larger issues like John and Jesus, they, we may run into empire, which created or perpetuates some of these devastations. In Advent especially, you and I look for the coming of the light and the activity of others who are allies of the light. We may have experienced some of that light during the era of COVID, an era of recession, of upheavals and isolation and confusion. There are biblical promises of the wrongs being undone, of cities being restored, of mourners being comforted, and the coming of the year of Jubilee. Until then, not without hope, we still carry the seed for sowing with our tears, our fears, our losses, and perhaps through being persecuted for carrying out our faith publicly. Can we look forward to, to a year when we, like the song, come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves? The birth of Jesus. The experiences of John and Jesus confronting empire and their own personal crosses. The history of the church and your own resilience during this time by the grace of God. Lead me to share this story, which I told once before in our pulpit. It's from a sermon preached by the Reverend Peter Marshall. I think the Christian treatment of trouble is splendidly illustrated by the oyster, into whose shell one day comes a tiny grain of sand. 
By some strange circumstance, this tiny piece of quartz has entered into the shell of the oyster, and there, like an alien thing, an intruder, a cruel, unfeeling catastrophe causes pain, distress, and presents a real problem. What shall the oyster do? Well, there are several courses open. The oyster could, as so many men and women have done in times of adversity and trouble, rebel against the sovereign providence of God. The oyster, metaphorically speaking, could shake a fist in God's face and complain bitterly, why should this have to happen to me? Why should I suffer so? What have I done to deserve this? The oyster could conclude, there is no justice all this talk of a God of love and mercy is not true. Now, since this calamity has overtaken me, I'll throw away all the faith I ever had. It does not do any good anyway. Yes, the oyster could say that. Or the oyster could say, again, like some men and women when adversity strikes, it can't be true. It isn't true. I must not permit myself to believe it. But the oyster does not do that. There is another attitude the oyster could adopt, a very commendable one, one that calls for a lot of fortitude, courage, and determination. The oyster could say, now that this hard calamity has overtaken me, this thing that hurts and cuts and stabs, this enemy that bruises and bleeds, now that this has come upon me, I must endure it to the end. I must show them all that I can take it, and I won't give in. I will hold on if it kills me. I must remember that the darkest hour is just before the dawn. Now, the oyster does not do that. Because the oyster is at one and the same time a realist, as well as an idealist. There is no point in trying to deny the reality that tortures every nerve, so the oyster does not try. Nothing can change the fact that the grain of the sand is there. Nor would grumbling or rebelling do any good. For after all the protests and complaints, the grain of sand would still be there. No. The oyster recognizes the presence of the grim intruder and right away begins to do something. Slowly and painfully, with infinite care, the oyster builds upon the grain of sand layer upon layer of a plastic, milky substance that covers each sharp corner and coats every cutting edge. And gradually, slowly, by and by, a pearl is made, a thing of wondrous beauty wrapped around trouble. The oyster has learned by the will of God to turn grains of sand into pearls, cruel misfortunes into blessings, pain and distress into beauty. He finishes. 
And that is the lesson that we are to learn along this pilgrim way. The grace of God, which is sufficient, will enable us to make of our troubles the pearls they can become. It is no mere figure of speech. It is something more than a simile to say that one enters heaven through pearly gates. One enters the presence of the Lord through gates bedecked with pearls, and every pearl a trouble, a pain, a heartache, a misfortune, which by the grace of God has been changed into a beautiful, lovely thing. In COVID time, you and I go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing. But Christ the light has come and does come. Whatever burdens we bear, what injustices we confront, let us remember the oyster's posture. And then, indeed, by grace, over time, maybe gradually, we will find that the tears have planted something great and beautiful that grows up. And we will come home after having reaped with shouts of joy, bringing in the sheaves. Amen. I love that story that uh, the late Reverend Peter Marshall uh, gave us in the 20th century. And I hope that you were um, built up by that as I was to share that story. We're grateful that a vaccine has begun to come into this country and be administered. We pray for everyone who is still fighting the disease both as trying to beat it back and those who are patients. Next week, our message will be uh, for the fourth Sunday of Advent, Sunday, December 20th. And Karen Christensen will be our lector. And I look forward to sharing that with you. May God's peace and wholeness hold you up and guide you and be with you in these days, these crazy days of Advent and 2020. God bless your week.